0: Hello and welcome to another Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we've got a video about one of the more wild rumors I have seen in the video game industry in 2019. And that is saying something if you've been following this channel because it has been... Quite the year for rumors and news items and seismic changes, whether that's good news in the in the form of studios being formed or uh, realizing their, their dreams by separating from their publishers or from the bad news side of things with layoffs and other problematic kind of stories that are affecting the industry. Uh, this one might be great news. It might be bad news, depending on what side of the spectrum you fall on. Uh, certainly, it's news that reflects a rumor of consolidation Uh, in the video game industry. Earlier this week, I did a video on Amy Hennig talking about the fact that the current setup for video games probably can't survive in the way that it currently does uh, and that the industry is probably going to need to shift in some fashion. In that interview, she talks about outsourcing potentially being the way that the video game industry will be organized. uh, But part of that conversation would certainly also be the entirely the opposite of that. Instead of outsourcing, essentially in-housing all your major components to a giant organization. Uh, Very similar to what we see uh, from the Ubisofts of the world. I just bought Division 2, and if you watch that intro, it's really fascinating to see all the studio names they put up. And this has been the case for Ubisoft Games uh, for a long time now. I think they are the publisher that really uh, has their finger on the pulse of how to organize massive international efforts to create a single product. Uh, But the rumor is that Sony is potentially in talks, high-level talks, to purchase Take-Two Interactive, Uh, not one of their uh, smaller developers, the actual publisher Take-Two Interactive. And I want to talk about that rumor. I want to talk about what it means uh, because we have talked about business items and we have talked about fiduciary duty and what boards of directors do uh, so often on this channel. And this really is my wheelhouse. This is what I do on a day-to-day basis Uh, when I was first hired as a lawyer. I started by doing venture capital transactions as well as mergers and acquisitions, the buying and selling of companies. Uh, And so when we start talking about these things, we're talking about huge, massive, really, really complex potential deals. Uh, But the crux of the thing is the same. Uh, I tend to work with close corporations rather than public corporations. uh, And in order to buy and sell a public corporation, you need to have teams and teams of lawyers and accountants and financial advisors and business advisors uh, and things of that nature. And according to this rumor, that's what we're starting to see today. Uh, The rumor itself uh, is just in a very small line in a MarketWatch article uh, that came out very, very recently. Uh, I wanted to do this video as soon as I saw it because it would be such a seismic change in uh, the way the industry is organized in terms of major publishing houses if this were to happen. And we see the entirety of the rumor is listed as such. Take-Two Interactive Software, TTWO, stock climbed 4.7% on rumors that Sony Corp. is in advanced board-level discussions to acquire Take-Two Interactive in a mostly cash deal. That would value the company at $130 a share, according to Joel Kulina, head of technology and media trading at Wedbush Securities. So this came pretty much out of nowhere for those of us that follow the industry pretty closely, although I think there are indications that some folks might have had some knowledge of this uh, or at least an inkling of it in the last five days or so, because we're going to look at the stock price of Take-Two kind of take these uh, leaps uh, over the past couple days until it's gotten to this point. Uh, And we're going to talk about why that happens. But when we talk about an acquisition like this, uh, if you're not familiar with how public companies work, essentially, these companies like Take-Two Interactive have sold shares in themselves, uh, which are essentially participations in the future value of the company. And that might mean current dividends. Uh, When a company declares a dividend, it means they're going to pay out either in the form of cash or other stock to all of its existing stockholders, some amount of money, some amount of the profit that the company has made. And you can make your money investing in companies that are public that way. Um, but it also might just mean, hey, if we ever sell this thing, if there's ever what we would call a liquidation event, uh, then you're going to participate at, on a pro rata basis. If there's a million shares and you own 100,000 shares you're going to make 10 percent of whatever the value of selling this company is Uh, and i use those as hypotheticals because in most cases people aren't going to own that high a percentage of a public company because there are so many shares outstanding and there are so many shareholders but that's the basic notion of what it means to be a public company is that you've sold these shares to the public uh, not just to your friends and family not just to people that you know directly but in a marketplace and that those shares are then traded on a secondary exchange uh, like the New York Stock Exchange, that allows uh, different investors to buy and sell those shares without interacting with the company at all. You know, Take-Two sells those shares. It makes its money from the offering, And then the secondary market takes over. And when you see those stock prices, that's the price that people are willing to buy and sell the stock on the secondary market. And that's what you're looking at today. When they say they're thinking of buying Take-Two at $130 a share, that's what we would call an acquisition premium or something along those lines. Because if we go and we look at their stock price, which I will pull up right now, uh, we see that Take-Two Interactive is currently trading uh, at $94.60 a share. Uh, and that is uh, really quite recent, in fact, uh, in terms of what it was trading at. It was down at the just above $85 level uh, as as early as last week. Uh, and you can see these kinds of step-ups that have happened as I think more information has come out that they might be on the market and they might be available for sale. Uh, and so it's trading at $94 right now, and it's going up because if these rumors are real, if Sony is actually going to pay $130, and not just in Sony stock, the, the description of the rumor is mostly in cash, then there's a high value of this stock. If if you could know for certain that this deal was going to go through at $130, you would buy it right now at 94 because you're going to make $40 on the difference. Um, so right now what you're seeing is essentially people judging how significant the rumors are at this second. And you can see there is some distance between the current stock price and what the stock is purported to be sold for that indicates that kind of Uh, not disbelief exactly, but holding back for risk, that you don't know whether something will happen, you don't know whether it'll get past the board, and you don't know whether uh, if it does get past the board, it'll get approved in a fashion that actually winds up getting you $130 in your pocket. So that's what you see here when you see the stock prices go up. But in terms of the actual deal, it's an absolutely fascinating one from the standpoint of following the video game industry and from the standpoint of following it from a product basis, not just looking at the business side of things, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Take Two portfolio, really, I pulled up their uh, quarterly statement because I found it uh, I found it fascinating uh, to see what they say about their company and what it's all about. Uh, you probably know Take Two uh, from their ownership of Rockstar Games, or if you didn't know that ownership uh, connection, they own Rockstar Games, uh, who most recently made. Uh, the winner of a lot of Game of the Year awards, Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, at, towards the end of last year. And they've been responsible for Red Dead Redemption and Grand Theft Auto uh, and LA Noir and some other uh, essentially third-person action-adventure titles. They also uh, own uh, the, uh, the folks that make uh, Bioshock uh, and some of the other things that you might play if you're not in the third-person action-adventure environment. They have a license with uh, the NBA to make NBA 2K. Uh, and They really do uh, essentially pride themselves, as we'll see from the statement that they make here, on uh, making these experiences uh, in video games available across genres, in multiple uh, areas, across multiple systems. And that's part of the thing that's really interesting about this. If you follow Take-Two, they are one of the uh, essentially uh, uh, omnibus-type publishers that publishes on everything. They publish on PC, they publish on Switch, they publish on uh playstation they publish on xbox uh, and they are like activision or electronic arts they don't have these kinds of exclusive arrangements for the most part uh, with these various console holders And so when we talk about a console holder potentially buying them out, that has massive, massive ramifications across the industry. When you are talking about essentially a company that has one of the most highly selling, most profitable products in video games, uh, and that's the Grand Theft Auto series, Uh, if you've been following the charts for who's making the most money uh, for a long time, you know that Grand Theft Auto V has been at or near the top of those charts for a long, long time primarily through the functionality of Grand Theft Auto Online. Uh, and as a matter of fact, the fact that Red Dead Redemption Online, though it's not even out of beta as far as I know at this point, hasn't caught fire like the Grand Theft Auto Online has put some analysts and some securities holders in kind of a, a risk-holding pattern for Take-Two, which isn't entirely fair because I don't know that the uh, the power fantasy or the, the video game fantasy of uh, you know being a high-riser and, and, and getting a Ferrari and a penthouse apartment has exactly uh, as uh, little appeal to some as being a cowboy in the Old West. So I think it's going to be different genres, and I think Grand Theft Auto is always going to be more attractive to a bigger base of people, Uh, even if Red Dead Redemption uh, Online turns out to be a fantastic realization of that particular kind of uh, fantasy, uh, which is one of the interesting things about kind of the the Westworld notions and that kind of concept is that I'm I'm just not positive how many people really want to be cowboys at the end of the day. Uh, And I think that genre difference uh, is one of the reasons that that's happening, even though Red Dead Redemption uh 2's online mode is way too early to really judge entirely. But let's take a look at how they describe, this is take two, in their quarterly statement, which is for the quarter ended uh, December 31st, 2018, how they describe their own business. They said, we are a leading developer, publisher, and marketer of interactive entertainment for consumers around the globe. We develop and publish products principally through our two wholly owned labels, Rockstar Games and 2K, as well as our private division label and Social Point, a leading developer of mobile games. Our products are currently designed for console gaming systems such as Sony's PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 3, Microsoft Xbox One and Xbox 360, the Nintendo Switch and personal computers, including smartphones and tablets. We deliver our products through physical retail, digital download, online platforms, and cloud streaming services. They are platform agnostic. They want to provide things to everybody because the bigger the audience, the more money they can make. And that's how they've treated their most highly selling, most profitable brands like Red Dead Redemption. We believe that our commitment to creativity and innovation is a distinguishing strength, enabling us to differentiate our products in the marketplace by combining advanced technology with compelling storylines and characters that provide unique gameplay experiences for consumers. On October 26, 2018, Rockstar Games launched Red Dead Redemption 2, which has been a critical and commercial success that set numerous entertainment industry records. Rockstar Games is also well known for developing brands in other genres, including L.A. Noire, Bully, and Manhunt. Rockstar Games continues to expand on our established franchises by developing sequels, offering downloadable episodes, content, and virtual currency, and releasing titles for smartphones and tablets. That's one of their principal labels, as they, as they describe it, Rockstar Games. The other label that they describe is 2K, uh, in which they talk about, in particular, Bioshock, Mafia, Civilization, and XCOM, as well as kind of references to Borderlands and Evolve, Borderlands, which has been dormant for some time, and Evolve, which didn't really work out so well, but it's still worthwhile in terms of describing because it was them trying something new. Uh, and so those are the really the two crown jewels of what make up uh, Take-Two Interactive at this point. And so it's really interesting to kind of dive deep into their financial statements. And I'm going to link this uh, quarterly statement in the description of this video so you can check it out yourself. As with any of these financial statements, there's a lot to dig into. There's a lot of technical language, uh, and there's a lot to um, to really parse out, uh, but In terms of what we can take away from how their business is doing, what I found to jump out at me when they're talking about essentially the last year of revenue is exactly what they say are the drivers behind how they're making their money. And so I've highlighted this line right here, but they talk about the remaining increase, which is the increase in total net revenue, uh, which is essentially the money that they're making over the last quarter, was due to an increase in net revenue from NBA 2K, Red Dead Redemption 2, Grand Theft Auto Online, and Civilization. Those are the four crown jewels in what make up the Take-Two Interactive empire. And so when we talk about Sony buying this, I see from afar looking at this and saying, well, Rockstar is the clear driver here because Take-Two Interactive owns every bit of what Rockstar puts out there. Grand Theft Auto Online and Red Dead Redemption 2 are wholly controlled and owned uh, by Take-Two Interactive through their ownership of Rockstar. The NBA 2K franchise is a different ball of wax, and in order to kind of dig deep on that, uh, I think it's important to understand how licenses work. So NBA 2K is a licensed game. Uh, The NBA and the NBA Players Association licenses their likenesses, licenses the rights to make those video games to 2K, in order to get revenue back. They get royalties back or they get other arrangements back in terms of funding for giving Take-Two Interactive through their 2K label the right to make that product. Uh, But when we talk about a company potentially changing hands, one of the things that happens is there's a provision at the end of these contracts, really all contracts, that talks about what happens when a contract is assigned. And it doesn't so much matter that in this case, it's very likely that the the company would change hands through an equity transaction, meaning that Take-Two Interactive would still be surviving at the end of this. It would just have Sony as its sole shareholder instead of these uh, thousands and thousands of people that hold it publicly as its shareholders. In general, most licenses and most high-level corporate uh, contractual arrangements are going to say that a change in control... Uh, of the company. A change of more than 50% of the identity of the shareholders of that company is going to count as an assignment. And that contract is going to have some rules about what happens when an assignment occurs. It might be that the NBA license says, hey, We wanted to work with Rockstar, or we wanted to work with 2K and Take-Two, and if they change hands, if they're suddenly owned by somebody else, we maybe aren't as interested in having this license, and that's another, essentially, decision point where we get to look at the contract and decide whether we want to proceed with this relationship, because the company is fundamentally not the same under different ownership. Another part of the license might essentially say, hey, yes, we'll give you this license, you get the royalty from us, but... You have a covenant that says you're going to sell this on all available platforms. We're going to actually name the Xbox One. We're going to actually name potentially the Switch or the PC or what have you. And if Sony takes on that contract as part of buying all of Take Two Interactive, they would be obligated to meet those requirements for at least the remaining term of that contract. So you wouldn't necessarily see the 2Ks of the world either survive to come over to a Sony owned Take Two Interactive or to have it become exclusive all of a sudden, where NBA 2K was only available on the Sony platform and not available on the Microsoft platform. A lot of what goes on in this in the negotiations for a deal like this uh, would be uh, related to the buyer doing due diligence, which is the kind of all-encompassing umbrella term that we give to reading through the contracts, reading through the financials, talking to management, talking to customer support people, talking to all these folks that work at Take-Two to determine that they are satisfied that when this deal is consummated, it will be something that they want to have spent all this money on. And that's really the last thing I wanted to talk about here, uh, which is the notion of fiduciary duty, a a concept that we've talked about a lot on this channel. Uh, But just to kind of break it down, the way a corporation works is these investors buy a share of stock from this company, and the company has control of their money. And the board of directors are essentially the folks at the head of a company. They do a couple things, one of which is they hire management. So they hire the chief executive officer, the chief operating officer, the chief technology officer, the chief marketing officer. They hire those folks that are going to run the day-to-day operations of the company that are going to develop a strategic plan for the company, all in an effort to return investment for the stockholders who have given the company money in order to realize some kind of return on their investment. One of the other things the board of directors does, however, is that they enter into these kinds of negotiations. They enter into these kinds of discussions that say, okay, if we are willing to sell the company, if you imagine that you're on the board of directors of Take-Two, what is a fair amount of money that we can expect? What is a fair deal? How does that deal look uh, if we are going to sell it out uh, from under the shareholders? If we are going to uh, essentially recommend to them that they sell to the company, and if we approve a deal... You know, what kind of contractual uh, ability do we have to essentially say, this is a good deal. This is a deal that you should take shareholders. You should submit your shares for this money. You're going to get this premium. uh, And we think it is the the best possible deal that we can get. Uh, Once a company shifts to essentially being up for sale, the fiduciary duties of a board shift uh, from operating the company on a kind of day-to-day basis, a normal basis, to one that is seeking to maximize the value of The company for its shareholders and one of the things that the take two board is doing right now when it says advanced board level discussions is that they are discussing you know can is this enough money or can we make more money from what we've got in the hopper what we have coming out in the next year the next three years what we know rockstar is capable of will this company continue to grow or is now a good time to say hey that's a heck of a premium sony is going to give our shareholders a good payday and we should uh advise the shareholders to sell Uh, And certainly Sony wants a board approved sale. That is a far easier process than what you might be familiar with from kind of dramatic corporate Hollywood movies or Hollywood TV shows, which is kind of a hostile offer in which the board isn't on board and you get enough shareholders to essentially sell you a controlling interest in the company. If you followed the Ubisoft Vivendi saga at all, you know that that was very hostile. Uh, That was Vivendi trying to take over Ubisoft by just buying shares in the open marketplace and getting up to a point where they would then have to leap over to the 50% control so that they could then change out the board and approve a full sale. Uh, And that didn't wind up happening, a lot of which uh, because of the strength of the Ubisoft board and the strength of their management to essentially say that this isn't going to be something that uh, anybody's going to make money on. We think it's best to continue to stay the course. And eventually Vivendi gave up. They sold back their shares. They'd gotten up to something like 19.9% of the company and they sold it back because the board wasn't uh, in favor of the deal. So when we see something described as advanced board level discussions, that's the take two board saying, is this a good deal? Can I recommend this to the shareholders? What portion is in cash? What portion is in securities? What does our future look like? Because if they get it wrong, Um, or if they get it obviously wrong, is probably a more detailed way to say it, then shareholders can come out of the woodwork and say, you could have made us more money. You could have done better. And so you didn't fulfill your obligations and that's going to be trouble for you. And it's going to be trouble long-term if there are those kinds of angry shareholders because Sony doesn't want to deal with them either. So it's all a matter of trying to get everybody to a place where the deal can be agreed to in its economic terms today or or soon uh, and, and then move forward from there. Uh, the other component of this is the sony side of things so sony is saying hey we're going to spend a lot of money on this Uh, what kind of money uh, it makes sense for us to buy an asset like take two interactive and we can take a look at again the stock price for take two interactive and the important thing here that i wanted to point out is the market capitalization Uh, and that says it's 10.17 billion dollars according to market watch now that already incorporates the, the upgrade in price to the 95 dollar amount that we're seeing today but it's not 130 dollars to get to the the market capitalization that Sony would be paying for it you have to add the extra $30 and then you would multiply it by the shares outstanding which is you see here is 113 uh, million and you get to a, a higher market capitalization which is essentially what you can think of as the purchase price for the company. And when we when we talk about that when we talk about a $10 billion company, we'd like to compare who the potential acquirers are. And we see here uh, you've got a Sony Corp that's got 58 billion dollars uh, available uh, and potentially to use to buy companies like this and 10 billion dollars is a good chunk of change for a company like that that's that's a good percentage of what their existing market capitalization is but if we look at this list and competitors in the bottom left here i think what really jumps out at you is microsoft corp up there with an almost 900 billion dollar market capitalization We talked about this on another video on the channel where we talked about Microsoft potentially buying Electronic Arts uh, last year. And certainly they've gone on an acquisition kick since then. Uh, But one thing that's going to happen here is I I don't know that anybody knew outside of Sony and Take-Two Interactive that Take-Two Interactive is up for sale. Uh, And it wouldn't be a surprise in all honesty. and And you don't know what these corporations are thinking. You don't know what their acquisition plans are. You don't know what their budgets are for such acquisitions. But it wouldn't be a surprise for me To see Microsoft Corp come in here uh, like Comcast did to Disney in respect to the Fox sale and say, wait, you're going to sell for $130 a share? How about $150 a share and potentially offer a different deal that's a different section of cash and a different section of Microsoft stock? When you talk about having $900 billion versus $60, there is a lot of leeway that you can have if Microsoft really wanted to make the acquisition. But this is exactly the kind of scenario where I can see that kind of thing happening. We're obviously many, many, many steps away from that insofar as we're looking at a rumor in one paragraph of a MarketWatch article. But if this is legitimate, and certainly the market is reacting as if there's some legitimacy to it, even if it's not definite, then there are, is every reason to believe that at bare minimum, the other players in the industry who are uh, capable of making an acquisition of this size, a, a $10 or $15 billion acquisition, Uh, If they're capable of putting that much money on the line, there is a very real possibility that they will evaluate it and potentially throw their own hat into the ring. And especially when you're talking about a premier, what we might consider in the video game industry, the equivalent of an Oscar bait type company, Red Dead Redemption 2 was by far the biggest oxygen sucking game in the room in October of last year. It demanded all the press attention. It demanded all the reviews. It got all those sales just like grand theft auto 6 will eventually rockstar is that kind of studio and if there is a risk if sony could potentially pull it and make it exclusive to the playstation 5 then microsoft really has to take a look and evaluate whether they want to throw their hat into the ring and that's where things get really interesting because once a second suitor comes in the board can't simply ignore it uh they can't simply say Yes, we like the $130 uh, offer from Sony. If Microsoft comes in with $150, they have to evaluate it. They could decide that the Sony deal is still better. It's not just the bottom line price. Sony might be offering other things that make sense uh, from the shareholder side of things. In particular, the portion that the sale price would be in cash versus stock. Uh, Because you're going to have different shareholders that want that liquidity uh, versus want to have upside in a continuing endeavor. You're going to have to evaluate at the board. That's why they get paid the big bucks. But certainly you look at a company like Microsoft who has evinced every single indication of going on an acquisition spree, buying all these companies uh, since E3 of last year, and you find out that one of the premier jewels of video gaming is potentially available for the paltry sum of $15 billion or so, uh, then I think Microsoft takes a look at it and says, well, Okay, that's interesting. And the Microsoft gaming division says, okay, well, how serious are you about acquisitions? Because this is obviously a lot of money. But if we can pull it off, uh, are we really fighting about which console will have Grand Theft Auto 6 exclusively or not? And certainly when you get to that far down the road, even the company that spends this money to buy the company like that might wind up deciding to sell it on multiple consoles anyway, because there is so much money available. But those are the kinds of fun business decisions that the board and the CEO and the COO would be making at that point in the future, and certainly trying to justify whatever purchase price would happen now. But that's really why this is such a Fascinating, interesting story is you have a rumor that has the patina of plausibility. It's not the kind of rumor where you can say out of hand that's not possible. Uh, And certainly, with the market reacting as it has today, there is certainly indications that some folks believe that the rumor is a possibility. Uh, And if it did happen, I can certainly see it becoming a long term kind of auction bidding war if a second suitor decides to throw their hat into the ring, which I think is a real possibility, especially if anyone were to come out and kind of suggest that the real risk here is that the Rockstar Games portfolio would be made exclusive uh, for the Sony platform if nobody else acted. And so that's what I wanted to talk about in this episode of Virtual Legality. Uh, Obviously, if you haven't visited the channel before, I am a corporate transactions lawyer. I have that mergers and acquisitions background. This is the kind of thing that I like to talk about. And it is absolutely fascinating to see these kinds of two juggernauts in the industry uh, really potentially think about consolidation. uh, And it certainly would be one of the bigger uh, IP purchases uh, in in the history of uh, pop culture and and media entertainment. Uh, If you think about the the Disney purchase of uh, Lucasfilm, uh, that was for $4 billion. uh, And this would be somewhere north of $10 billion uh, to buy this. But Certainly, uh, Rockstar as that prime duel a- and uh, some of the other properties, the, the civilizations of the world uh, potentially continuing on with that 2K license relationship, uh, means that this is something that could actually happen. And I think it's interesting. I think it's the kind of thing uh, that does potentially make sense for Sony that really would want to throw in uh, and make their exclusive portfolio just unchallengeable uh, at the end of the day. Uh, but it is also something that if Microsoft wasn't aware of it before today is something that they would certainly have to analyze from their acquisition strategy uh, at this point in time. And and wouldn't that be fascinating if Sony and Microsoft actually got into a bidding war to buy the makers of Grand Theft Auto? Uh, that, uh, that writes itself for a number of virtual legality videos. And I would hope that you would uh, continue to join me for these discussions because they would be fascinating every single time. Uh, certainly I enjoyed talking about uh, the, the Comcast and Disney and Fox dealings on Twitter before I even started this series. Uh, and this would be, uh, if anything, uh, bigger and, and more interesting uh, to follow from a from a person that's interested in video games a little bit more than the movie studio activities. Uh, so that's my channel. I talk about these things quite a lot, business and law, information technology, uh, and video games. You can see I did an entire video yesterday about the indictments regarding the RICO case uh, against the college athletics, the, or the, more specifically, the fake college athletes and the Bribery scandal. I love talking about this stuff. If you like this video, please do like. Please subscribe to the channel. Please leave me any comments or any feedback that you have. I love getting that. I would love to hear your takes on whether this is a possibility of a deal at all, whether it would be a good deal for the industry, whether it would be a bad deal for the industry, and and what are the chances uh, that Microsoft might throw their hat into the ring? This is absolutely fascinating, and I hope you do join me on uh, this channel in this feedback uh, and for future episodes, because if this does wind up happening, there's going to be a lot to talk about and certainly a lot That could potentially change in the future in terms of organization of the industry thank you so very much for watching if you're watching this on youtube or for listening if you're listening to it on a podcast and i will catch you on the very next virtual legality